Hey friends, a bit of a different episode today. Super excited to give you some help on design, even if you're not a designer. We're excited for today's conversation. And it was actually a friend of mine, Dave Miller, who actually set up today's conversation. And Dave is also the sponsor of today's podcast, Leadership Pathway. They help churches like yours Uh, either begin a residency program or take an internship to the next level. They really do all the heavy lifting, including the interviewing, the disc assessment, assessment strength finders. They chase down the references. By the time you are presented the candidate, uh, you can be guaranteed that they, through their unique grading system, that they are ready for a church like yours. Think of it as headhunting for residents, but they do more than that. They also do coaching for you and the staff uh, to help really the resident get the most out of this experience. Listen, a few months ago, we did a webinar that I want you to check out. It is at leadershippathway.org forward slash unseminary. Go there today and you'll watch this webinar where we dive deep with a church that has five residents right now. And actually they're getting more. And it was really an amazing conversation. Really helps you get behind the scenes and understand more about this. Listen, Leadership Pathway uh, helps churches like yours with residency programs and internships. If you're thinking, wondering where the next staff member comes, you need to think about this. All right, well, let's jump in on today's episode. It's going to be a good one. Let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. Uh, today we're we're really having a bit of a different conversation than we normally have. If you've been listening to the podcast for, for any time, we're 300 some odd interviews in of basically all church leaders with a few exceptions. And today I want to make another one of those exceptions. I want to introduce you to two leaders who uh, we have a mutual friend who I just dearly respect and uh, really are from the design space. So today we've got Raj Lula and Ben uh, Luders from Fruitful Design. Now this is an incredible company that helps churches and nonprofits and actually all lots of different organizations. But you might be saying, why on earth are we talking to designers today? Well, this is why. Leading info, this is why. 65% of the people in your church are visual learners. Design is incredibly important. It's the kind of thing that we all need to be thinking about. We need to be thinking about how do we publicly present uh, what we do. And so what I wanted to do is bring some experts in to really have that conversation to say, hey, what can we be thinking about? What should we be thinking about? Really trying to get coaching for all of us to think about design. Because I know there's a lot of people that would say, listen, I did not go to seminary to learn design. Uh, I went to serve people. So uh, we're trying to learn from these guys today. Raj and Ben, welcome to the show today. Hi, Rich. Hey, Rich. Thanks, Thanks. for having us. Yeah, glad you're glad you're here. Raj, why don't we start with you? Why don't you tell us uh, kind of a little bit about Fruitful? Tell us about your role. Um, you know, give us a sense of, of, of the story a little bit. Yeah, so at Fruitful, we serve a mix of churches and nonprofits and uh, just regular business clients. And that comes from a, a pretty honest place. We uh, I, my background personally is, is in church ministry. And, uh, and so it, it just came natural for us once uh, Ben and I went into business together to do design and communications to serve churches and nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, ben has been uh, doing the business for about eight years now. And uh, we started together. I was actually on the client side of the table uh, working for Nebraska Christian college. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, 
it just happened that uh, the strategy piece that I had and brought to him in that relationship, uh, Ben had uh, expressed a desire for us to uh, work together on the same side of the table. And so uh, we started serving other churches and nonprofits and the rest is kind of history for us. Yeah. Churches and ministries have kind of been um, just the bread and butter, kind of the backbone of our business, uh, especially early on. And it was kind of fun. I had such a fun time working with Raj um, as one of my clients and that, you know, when he kind of went out on his own, kind of doing some strategy consulting for um, churches and nonprofits, he just started bringing me some of his clients to do all the design work. And I'm like, man, we need to do this officially. So we kind of um, officially became business partners uh, a number of years ago. And um, yeah, I, I basically just try to make things look pretty. And he kind of helps think through all of the strategy of, you know, why that's so important for our clients. Nice. Well, Ben, kind of sticking with you there for a minute, when you think about kind of the average church, I think there are a lot of church leaders that are listening in who would say, hey, like we need to step up our our kind of design game, our visual game. Why do you think it's important? Why why is it important that we kind of do good design, whatever that is, which we'll get to in a bit, but you know, why is that an important piece of the puzzle for us when we think about, you know, our mission to try to reach people and see them take steps closer to Jesus? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as a designer, it's hard to not think that's the most important thing. <laughs> of everything. But I realize not everyone's uh, starting from that same same place as me. I mean, I'm one of those guys who, you know, walks through the grocery store, just judging all the, uh, you know, package design that I see and stuff. So it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's hard to imagine not being that way. But yeah, I think it um, it's it's super important. You know, we're we're representing you know, the most important message. We're representing mm-hmm. the most impers- important person uh, in the universe. And I, I think, yeah, we can't, we can't represent that um, too well. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, yeah, I just feel like there's a lot on the line. I feel like oftentimes churches kind of seem to be getting the leftovers. Um, they, they seem to, you know, there's a lot of bad church design out there. There's good church design out there too, thankfully. But mm-hmm. um I think, you know, this is an important thing. It really, it's really important that we communicate that very clearly to people, that we don't confuse people because, you know, as much as I like to say, you know, I like to make things pretty, it's not just about making things pretty. It's about, it's about clear, clear communication. Some of the mm-hmm. best design is just very simple design mm-hmm. and is just mm-hmm. communicating something in the, in the simplest fashion that's the easiest to understand um, and, and the least confusing. And that's very important when we're, when we're dealing with, um, some of the stuff that the, the church needs to communicate to people. Mm-hmm. Raj, when you think about, um, you know, from a strategy point of view, let's say, let's assume for a minute that there is, you know, church leaders listening in that's saying, okay, I, I feel like we need to step up their, our game on this. Maybe they're, you know, we'll start with the, like, Hey, maybe they're a church of, you know, I don't know, five, 600 people. And, um, you know, they've, they've done started to do some of this, but they, um, you know, they're not really sure kind of how, what steps they should follow to try to go from, it seems very haphazard to like, okay, we actually have like a strategy around design and we've kind of thought that through what would be some of those early steps that you would think, or you would advise churches to be thinking about? Yeah. So the first thing that I'd recommend is to start with your branding because uh, consistency in what you put out in front of people is so key to the level of trust that they feel with you. Um, you know, one of the things when you're asking Ben that question about why is design important in the church, it's because it gives people 
the experience before they have the experience. So mm -hmm. what they see on your website, uh, what they see on your, your social media pages, uh, even your logo on your sign, uh, all those things, it helps people know what is this experience going to be like. And most people don't come to church uh, because they are really excited about being in an, in an environment that's foreign to them, uh, and you know, want to just try something new. You don't get a lot of thrill seekers, adventure seekers. <laughs> like I'm going to be because I want to try something that feels weird. No, no surprises. Uh, no, a lot of people come mm. because there's a felt need, whether it's their marriage or their kids or uh, direction in life or you know those types of things. And so, um, establishing you know who you are with your brand first mm -hmm. helps them know what kind of experience that they're going to have before they even get to you. It's, I like to say that your brand is the promise that you make to the community. And, you know, this church uh, churches thankfully are, are so similar in many ways. Uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully we're all kind of doing the same thing mm -hmm. uh, in introducing people to Jesus and doing discipleship. And so brands are a place where we actually can emphasize our differences a little bit because mm -hmm. if people see, uh, you know, a certain type of design, they they might think, oh, this church would be a place where, you know, a biker would be comfortable, or this place looks like it's a place that has great family programming, or, you know, uh, expressive worship, or, you know, kind of whatever need that they're feeling. And so, um, yeah, it, it's, you can do sort of a, a cross and a clean font and, and get away with a pretty basic logo. But uh, when you actually go through a branding process, then mm -hmm. it teaches you about yourself and about what you're saying to your community. And also it helps you identify some of the obstacles that you might have in reaching other communities. You know, so if you're the biker church, then you might have trouble reaching the ballerina crowd, you know, and <laughs> no. um, unreached ballerina crowd. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, and so uh, sometimes you, you decide to drive right into those strengths and say, Hey, you know, maybe ballerinas aren't going to be super comfortable here. Of course they're welcome, but uh, you know, there's like a lot of bikers here and, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, and leaning into those strengths or sometimes it helps you identify, okay, well then how can we reach out to populations that, that we're not, not uh, serving quite as well. Um, so going through that, that self-discovery process and turning that into a visual representation of who you are actually does a lot of the heavy list lifting for you, especially if you get a good, uh, what we call brand manual or brand guide right. uh, with that, mm -hmm. that, that kind of lays out the visual rules uh, for your organization and your brand tells you what kind of fonts to use and, uh, and how not to use the logo. That's probably yeah. one of the most important things that that, that guide would tell you. Um, and, and it is an investment, you, you know, usually um, you do have to, you know, save some money up for it and do it the right way because uh, there are great talented designers who will throw you something, you know, who, who will volunteer for you. But it usually doesn't kind of come with that whole experience of the self-discovery and, and putting together some coherent design rules and those types of things. It usually is just a, here's a logo and a couple of formats, throw it on your Facebook, good luck. Um, because that's really all, all they can offer, you know, on a volunteer basis. That's a good point. I, I was just thinking about, you know, before the, before, before we started recording the podcast, we were joking about the, you know, youth group leader that knows Photoshop. And there's a lot of really talented people in our churches that can do really cool pieces, um, especially sermon series, graphics, stuff like that. Um, and I've been blown away at some of the stuff that even some of our clients, you know, the people in their congregation create. 
but mm -hmm. there's something different about having a cohesive plan for all the rest of your, the design of your, of your brand, of your church um, that can, you know, you look at a piece and you're like, oh, I know immediately that's so-and-so church because of the font usage and the colors and stuff like that. Um, and then that's a really fun thing for, you know, the, the, the talented individuals in your church to then kind of build off of, because once you have that brand book, um, then it's a lot easier for the, you know, those who are in the church and stuff to go ahead and use that. And then they can create things that, that really look like that church um, because they have a helpful tool to, to base yeah. it off of. And, and don't yeah. underestimate, I was going to say, don't, don't underestimate the power of a simple brand experience. I mean, you think of Apple mm -hmm. and how few fonts they use and how few colors they use even. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, but you know what you're going to get. And now they may not be your cup of tea, but you know that mm -hmm. if, mm -hmm. you know, just by knowing who Apple is, what, it, what the product is going to act like. Um, and, and people are incredibly savvy with this without even knowing that they are. Uh, the same way that, you know, you can watch a Star Wars movie or something like that and have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen throughout that, that movie because we understand story so natively. Uh, people understand brand very much in the same way. They, they can kind of sniff out who is being uh, real and who's being phony from a, a mile away. Yeah, and a part of this is actually, as again, you are the experts. I am simply a guy sitting on the sidelines. But actually, a big part of this I've noticed over the years, it's actually about narrowing the focus. It's it's about yeah. saying, mm -hmm. hey, this is the way we're going to present ourselves. So, yeah. you know, the the um, you know whatever our visual mark is is always going to be on the bottom right corner of every printed piece <laughs> yeah. we send out, regardless. It, you know, it doesn't have to be that, but that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and actually, over over time, the more we just stick with it um, and, and, and you know, don't deviate and be a bit of the kind of brand curmudgeon to say, no, no, like mm -hmm. we are going to do it this way, uh, that that's actually what gets you traction, you know, in the long haul. I think we – I wonder um, – trying to come to a question here somewhere. Uh, <laughs> you know, are people looking for kind of the – because I see churches change their logo a lot. Like it seems yeah. like churches yeah. get into this and then they're like – like every couple of years, they're like, and I'm like, why are you doing that? Like, just stick with the same one, but double down. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, man, Rich, uh, when you said that, it reminded me of something that an old boss and mentor of mine once told me. I was working at a small firm before I started Fruitful, actually inspired me to start Fruitful. Um, and what he used to say is just when you're starting to get bored of your brand is when other people are starting to recognize it. Right. And so we see that a lot. You know, a lot of people want to jump onto certain trends and they see that someone so-and-so has a has a cool logo and they, they want to kind of copy that. Um, we see a lot of that kind of stuff. And so there is sometimes a, a lot of um, value to just sticking sticking it out if your brand, if your logo and your brand, um, you know, actually is pretty good. Um, or if we're going to rebrand to, you know, to borrow some of the... Um, the design aesthetics of that brand and not totally jettison it, you know, like, man, it was, it's actually pretty close, but it could be, you know, we could tighten it up a little bit to make it even more recognizable, even more simple, even more on point. So those are kind of things that come out in a discovery process. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like you just never know. Sometimes uh, people, when you start pushing into like, okay, why do we, why do we want to do this? Um, yeah. You just never know what you're going to find. 
when, when you come up with a, you know, a brand guideline, like a booklet that says, Hey, this is, yeah, here are the fonts we use. Here are the colors. This is how to use the logo, that sort of thing. How are you um, seeing churches use a document like that? Or is that just being used with the designers or are churches developing like, here's a, you know, Microsoft word template for, you know, a, a handout, use this. How does that work? How, how are, how are, how are people actually implementing that to try to ensure some consistency across, you know, the multiple departments? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, we've seen it work a bunch of different ways. Um, first of all, we you know, pretty much with all of our clients, um, especially our church clients, we, we create these, you know, brand manuals if we're doing a rebrand or branding them for the first time. Um, a lot of them, we continue to do ongoing branding for them. So we're the main ones using the brand guideline books, which right. is kind okay. of a fun, yeah. fun thing. And then every once in a while, we'll notice like something that we could uh, you know, revise in that, like we come across a, a specific, you know, issue or application that we maybe hadn't thought through. Um, and so we get to revise the brand book. Um, but then sometimes it's like, you know, they've got, they've got talented designers, design help. Um, and yeah, they'll go ahead, like you said, you know, make um, internal templates um, and uh, yeah, just, and, and be able to carry out what we started using some, you know, of the easy to use tools that, that are, they have available to them. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so one of the things that happens is that um, as you're kind of talking about that, like five, 600 person church, usually they're not quite ready for a, a full scale, um, you know, creative director uh, or, mm-hmm. or even an outsourced uh, creative uh, relationship like like we have with a lot of our clients. Our clients tend to be just a little bit bigger, you know, eight hundred plus uh, to be able to start affording uh, affording that position. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the clients in that smaller range or you know mid size range, um, they they'll use uh, tools that are available on the market, and some tools are definitely better than others. Um, mm-hmm. Canva is one that you know if you if you're not going to go full tilt Photoshop and Adobe products, then Canva is great. Um, mm-hmm. and you can load your logos in and, and a lot of these two also have nonprofit, uh, either pricing or free nonprofit subscriptions, um, which Adobe, I believe also does. And, and so we do recommend using the right tools, but sometimes those tools are, are too powerful. Uh, so Canva is one that's nice and simple. It's pretty easy to use from your phone. Um, we well, like the, the beautiful thing about Canva too. It's a great, it's a great tool. The beautiful thing about it is, you know, you can, uh, obviously save hey here's here is a quote square that we're we've made and we kind of like the look of that and all we need to do is go in and change up the you know the actual quote on it um which right. which again for a lot of churches is that's a that's a giant leap forward in what they've been yeah. doing up until now um it's yep. a fantastic tool are there some other tools yeah. you, you would recommend yeah, that's great. Yeah, we, we like Squarespace a lot for websites. I know mm-hmm. that there's, uh, you know, almost a Mac versus PC level of, of war between Squarespace and, say, WordPress. Yeah, just um, tell us why. Yeah. As a WordPress guy, <laughs> convince me. Why, why on earth so, would I want to be a part of using Squarespace? Yeah, so ultimately, um, I, I always boil this down to... The uh, babysitter question is, who would you leave your kids with? And, uh, and so <laughs> for, for, for us, um, in terms of, of upkeep, um, Squarespace sites don't get hacked as much. Um, it, when I was working in another organization, um, the, uh, the SEO and stuff got hacked such that it looked like a Christian organization was um, selling other products. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> 
Um, and, and that can happen sometimes if you don't keep your plugins up to date with WordPress and some of those things. And, and WordPress just takes a little bit more know-how. Um, Squarespace is, is kind of an all-in-one solution. You put your logo where they say to put your logo, and then you plug your pictures in, you plug your text in. It's also a what you see is what you get editor, meaning that you double-click on the screen when you're logged in. You double-click on the screen and you type the text, and then you push save, and your website is live. And yeah. Um, Which and, is scary too. On another side. sure, yeah. Don't don't give the keys to anybody. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, a babysitter kind of a question. Yeah. <laughs> like, make sure you can trust who you've got working with you. But and Rich, we do both WordPress yeah. and Squarespace. But right, right, especially when it comes to uh, you know people that you know they want to be able to update it very easily and they don't. WordPress is just a little bit more, even though it is very simple on one level, it is quite a bit more complicated for people who aren't more tech savvy. And so a lot of times when we show someone, you know, kind of behind the curtain of what a Squarespace site looks like to edit, they just fall in love with it and they won't even let us consider WordPress, WordPress, especially if they are less, um, less tech savvy, which, you know, no shame there. Um, But we have other sites, uh, you know, obviously that we work with developers on that have a lot more complicated uh, functions and we're totally cool going that route too. Yeah. And on that, just to take a step back for folks that are listening and that may be lost a little bit in the Squarespace versus WordPress <laughs> conversation, the, you know, uh, uh, the way I've explained to other leaders is um, when you think about Square or um, WordPress, you're, you really have two different solutions. You have your hosting, so your actual server space out there on the internet, and then you're installing into that a um, a system, a database system called WordPress that actually then manages the website. So it, it, you end up having to get those two to dance with each other where um, Squarespace is built from the ground up as one integrated unit. So yeah. when you purchase from them, you're getting not only hosting, but also the software to make it all run. And so it, it is a lot simpler to use. Um, you know, it's, if there's phone geeks involved, you know, it's, it is probably, you know, use the pack Mac versus PC. It's, you know, a little bit of the equivalent of the iPhone versus the Android, you know, like mm-hmm. you can do a lot of different things with WordPress. Um, and you, and there's, you know, and there's a robust community that will help you do that. But if something goes wrong and I could say this for my, as a person who's run <laughs> their website and, you know, we'll have, you know, tens of thousands of visitors and, you know, thousands of people listening to this podcast that all rides off of WordPress. If something goes wrong, it creates an incredible, incredible amount of um, problems. And it, it uh, you know, it becomes a bit of pointing fingers, at, you know, who is, who, where's the problem from? We got to diagnose it, all that. So, um, but I, and I would agree with you. I think your average church, if they're, if they're not looking at hiring people, um, you know, both of those s- solutions are viable. Squarespace is, is much easier for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And beautiful. Like they, it's beautiful too. Yeah. Like they, yeah. the templates and all that they have built in. I know they say that in their ads all the time, but it's actually true. <laughs> yeah. Like they, yeah. they, they really have done a good job on, on, know, making- on that end. Yeah. On that end too. One thing I would say is that uh, one question we're starting to get more is what about Wix or Weebly uh, versus mm. Squarespace? And uh, you know, this may be changing. I think, uh, wasn't it, which one just got picked up by Square? Was that Wix? I think it's Wix, yeah. But, yeah. And so that might be changing with that. a little more cash investment. But what I've seen very often is that um, those sites will misbehave in two areas that are very important. One is SEO and mm-hmm. the other is, um, you know, is is responsiveness, mobile design. Um, and if there's anyone from Wix or Weebly, you know, listening, uh, you know, that's just been my experience. And so, and there probably have been people who've had great experiences as well, but, um, yeah, you know, mobile phone, uh, or mobile visits represent 
uh, about 60% of your traffic on, on a given website, sometimes more depending on the area yeah. that you're in. And that's just like not an area where it's acceptable for a, a website to misbehave. And I've seen a lot of things where, you know, the text will get a little funky and, um, you know, it looks great on your, on your computer when you d- design it and you're sitting there, you know, working on it for hours and hours after work and you launch it at midnight and you feel great about it. But then you look at it on your phone and the letters, you know, are on three lines instead of <laughs> yeah. two and it just, it doesn't look quite yeah, right. And so. on that, on that note, I mean, there's a really cool feature in Squarespace where you can just quickly, quick click between desktop view, tablet view and mobile view while you're editing just very, very quickly. And it's just really nice. It can help you spot problems before you, before you hit, you know, save. Um, and I, I really can't stress enough what Roger was just saying about how important it is that, that a majority of the people coming to you are coming to you on a mobile phone. Um, we've had a lot of the rebrands that we've been doing for churches and the website designs, of course, are around that. Even so, even the logos that a come, you know, that a church has, um, you know, it may not work very well when it's in the, you know, tiny navigation in the corner of it, you know, let's say it's a really, really tall logo with like a lot of detail and color and stuff like that. We've, we've almost had to kind of rethink the way that, you know, the simplicity and the different versions of logos that we have based on uh, just, yeah, mobile websites. Yeah. Yeah, It's a huge thing. Yeah, this is a big deal. And again, just for, you know, folks that are listening in, this is, um, you know, you may, maybe the kind of thing you don't think about all the time. You're like, hey, it's just our website. We've got a website because I'm still surprised, you know, when I bump across churches that don't have websites. But the we did a – there was – it was probably 18 months ago now. might have even been two years ago. Google came out very clearly and said – hey, we are going to favor sites that are mobile-friendly. If your site is not mobile-friendly, um, this is a problem. And so it would be what – ostensibly what Google did by saying that was they said it would be like if the, the town you're in said, hey, we're going to move you off of Main Street to the back corner of our town uh, because your website's not you know, mobile-friendly. It's the exact same thing. You know, They're downgrading. We actually did a study. We went out and it was almost 30% of major – churches like these are not small churches we're failing google's free test it's like a mm-hmm. put in your website we'll tell you whether you fail or pass <laughs> and you know we were it was like guys like willow creek and you oh, know, wow. Lake, lakewood now this is a while ago a lot of them have have fixed that stuff but they weren't you know, by Google's own standards, not passing that. And, and that's an important issue for, you know, for us to be thinking about as we're, you know, rolling out, you know, web stuff. Again, it's the kind of stuff they don't talk about in seminary, but super important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any and, other tools yeah. You'd, you'd say we should be thinking about from a design point of view? Um, yeah, for sure. So one, when you're talking about websites, one thing that, that I always tell my clients is that websites are 50% photos, 50% text, uh, video as well. But um, you know, the idea is that even, no matter how good the wording is on your website, which, by the way, should also be sparse, uh, nobody wants to read paragraphs about anything on your website. <laughs> yeah. Give them enough to want to come visit. That's really what you, you need to do for text. But for, uh, for photos, um, if you don't have a professional photographer and can't, you know, sometimes you have to use stock and that's OK. Just use good stock. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Unsplash is great for that. Um, there's a company called Light Free. Yeah, Lightstock that actually does Christian stock photos. That that's paid, but it's been worth every penny that we've uh, we've used with them. Um, Life Church um, for things like sermon graphics. Uh, Life Church has their open network, which gives away um, you know their series after they use them, and so 
if you don't have access to professional designers to uh, you know to design your sermon series, um, then take theirs. They I mean they give them for free, mm-hmm. and it's great stuff. Like their at the movies series I just saw got posted. Uh, that's a great one for summer. Um, talking about popular movies, and and you don't have to use any of their sermon content. Uh, you you can just use the graphics and then come up with your own series around those graphics. Um, and then uh, one thing that cannot be emphasized enough is that if you are not using email well, do it. Um, it sounds old fashioned. Yeah, but it's it so does. Real. Yeah, social we media. All use it. Social media, um, like in the retail space, has uh, about one—I believe it's one tenth of one percent conversion rate. So, if you've got like ten thousand people on your um, on your social media feed, you can expect about one sale uh, from mm-hmm. a social media post. But if but um, email, by contrast, and there, again, this is retail, not not in in uh, nonprofit church world. Uh, but an email list, uh, mm-hmm. by contrast. Has about a one one percent uh, click through mm-hmm. rate, meaning if you've got a hundred percent or a hundred people on your email list, one percent one person will buy something for you. And so it's it's dramatically better um, right. because you're you're sending a message to people where they are um, mm-hmm. versus uh, in, in a social media feed. They may or may not even see it first of all, and then it. It, there, you're also hitting them in different circumstances where they might be in line at the grocery store or whatever, and uh, and just like not able to engage with that content. Maybe they're not ready to sign up for VBS. While they're uh, oh, oh, the checker is available now, so I'll just put that back in my pocket and lose it. But if you send it to, to them in an email with a link to click up uh, or to click and sign up, then they uh, they have that. Uh, a great tool for that is Mailchimp. Yeah. <laughs> really beautiful, easy to design emails that uh, you throw your logo on the top and then you, uh, you, you send stuff out. Um, it, it, probably all of the people who are, are listening uh, have heard or have experienced that signups in the lobby don't really work anymore unless you really are, you know, forcing a lot of energy in that direction. Uh, for a lot of the churches that we work with, it's, Hey, tell them about stuff on Sunday morning but then hit a Monday morning with an email with the the link of how to take action on what you told them about. On so true. Yep. So true. Um, and Mailchimp is such an easy way to build links. Yeah. Uh, use buttons uh, for crying mm-hmm. out oh, loud. Yeah, yeah. Buttons are like mm-hmm. one of the best ways to uh, make an email pop out. And says it don't don't just have a link that's highlighted in blue. Might yeah, he's talking about screens. like a colored rectangle, yep. maybe rounded corners, <laughs> but it looks like something you can press. Like it makes a huge difference. We've, we've had clients that have experienced about a 30% increase on signups if they use a button versus just a, a plain link. And it seems like a silly thing, but it, we call it carrying the water for our, our clients and for our audience that, that we always want to make it the easiest way possible for them to connect with uh, what they need and if making a button for them instead of a link that that's what we're going to do for them yeah i've said this in other contexts i really appreciate you guys are pushing on this because i've said this in other contexts and people look at you strange but it is true most churches do not send enough emails so they'll you know that you've got a you know we're chasing um you know facebook advertising we're chasing you know and it's not that i'm anti-social media by any means no no. there are a ton of companies that two things they would kill to have a, a portion, any portion of their audience come to them once a week. And, you know, that, that would be amazing. Like they'd be like, this is incredible. 
Um, or the same on the email side to be able to say, Hey, we, we have a high percentage of the people that we know are interested in what we do. We have their email address. Um, man, they would be using that more. And so again, same thing. Uh, the thing I've said in other places is like, however much email you're, you're sending now, you should double it. So if you send once a week, you mm-hmm. should send twice a week. If you send it once a month, you should be saying twice a month, like it, it, or saying twice a month, four times a month, you know, like the, you, we need to double down on that channel. It is, it continues to be a conversion rate, you know, across all kinds of industries. So yeah, that's, that's yeah. amazing. I think people are afraid. I think people are afraid of annoying people. And, you know, I think people, you know, they signed up for that thing by accident on some retail site and they're getting like three emails a day. And, and that's not, that's not what we're saying, you know, just like you said, just do it a little bit more than you already do it. You know, whether it's one time a week or yeah, twice a month, that's way better than not doing it. And you'll still have people who say, I didn't know it was going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and in most churches, the problem, our problem is not overexposure, it's obscurity. So the problem isn't that like, oh my goodness, we, people know way too much about what's going on in our church. Like we're the the Kardashians of, you know, communication. That's not what's happening. You know, the, the issue is they, people have no idea what's happening. That's a, that's a much bigger problem in most churches. And so we, we definitely have to work harder to increase the, uh, you know, our visibility with our own people. Let's pivot a little bit and talk about the kind of people side of this equation. You know, I know there are um, church leaders that are thinking about, hey, should we be staffing up in this area? Should we be, you know, engaging a company like yours? Should we be doing some other, you know, outsourcing? What, what how do you think about that? And uh, maybe Raj, we can, you know, throw this one to you. How do you think about um, the kind of staffing side, the human resources side? What should we be thinking about as church leaders? Yeah. So one of the biggest mistakes that churches make is that they uh, they get they scrape together enough money to hire a communications director or a graphic designer or whatever they call that position? Mm-hmm. Uh, I call that singular position the person that they're going to try to kill. Um, <laughs> because, right. um, I you know when, actually when I started uh, doing this as as more of an outsourced role, um, I was approached by a church uh, and I love them. We still have a great relationship with them. Um, and they, they said, Hey, we're looking for somebody to do uh, video, uh, to do sermon graphics, to uh, help us create a communication strategy, uh, to manage our social media, um, and a couple more things. And, and I, like I looked at my firm. Yeah, I said, Which of those six jobs are you actually hiring? <laughs> um, and, and there are people who are talented at one or two of those things. Right. Uh, and, and, there, and there are a very rare few, I call them unicorns, who are great at all of those things. But those guys or or gals are very, very expensive. Um, And so you're probably looking at people who have one or two of those talents. Uh, I'm only a one or two or those types of person uh, myself. And, uh, And so what you need to shift away from is thinking that I'm going to find this unicorn and somehow trick them into working for what they can work for a church salary. And, um, and then I'm going to trap them forever. Um, that's, it's not a great approach. The, the better approach uh, is one of two things. Um, one is finding a, a pastorally hearted person who will manage a team of volunteers. Um, you know, there, there are people in your church who would love to volunteer to be part of your digital team, your social media team, to use their writing and photography and social media skills as ministry, who have only ever been um, told, not on purpose, but but sort of through omission by their churches, that 
Um, unless you can sing or preach or work with kids or uh, build a house in Mexico, then you, <laughs> you know, then you don't really have a place in ministry. And there are people with digital skills, um, digital communication skills, who would be thrilled to find out that Jesus wants to use them mm-hmm. in His kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're going to hire just one staff person, hire somebody who is going to assemble the team. Do not expect that person to be uh, the entire workforce for that. The other option, uh, which is what we do with a lot of our clients, is just outsourcing nearly the entire department uh, and saying, hey, we only have staff, uh, money for one staff member. And so uh, we're going to put that with a team of professionals um, and and use their expertise instead. So uh, I was just in a meeting uh, about a week and a half ago, helping a church set their entire communications calendar for the for the year. And uh, you know, so we're we know when Christmas is going to be. We know when school starts. You know, and so we can uh, we can gear up for the communication for those things. Um, there's some trade offs. You know, like we. Um, you know, we aren't there in their office every day. And so uh, I, I call it the tail that wags the dog. You know, we by asking what we're talking about so early, it makes people make decisions like what time does that event start and when is it and, you know, who's in charge of it and, you know, those types of things that maybe if you've got somebody on staff who you can say, oh, by the way, I need to slide for Sunday morning announcing this new thing that we decided to do. We're not those people. Uh, and, but, and so it actually makes you work farther ahead I personally think that uh, imposing this level of discipline is great for staffs, and I think that most of our clients would agree that um, that having to think farther ahead means that those uh, events and those those programs actually increase in quality because you have more time to work on them. Um, and so, uh, yeah, there, there's good and bad about both situations, but I, I would say that the world where you could hire just one person to uh, you know to do everything, uh, it, it to, for me, I don't think it really exists anymore. Um, if it ever really did, um, it, the the facets of communication have gotten so complicated that you have to be thinking a team perspective and accomplishing that either through finding somebody who's great at building teams or or just uh, outsourcing to yeah, a team directly. partnering with a team. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because I mean, you know, when you partner with someone like us, you know, we have you know six six people here in the office, all with different skills. And so when you partner with a firm like ours, you get a benefit from a whole range of different, you know, skill sets and talents. And so, um, and, and we've just found it to be a really healthy um, relationship and to work really well for, for our church clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. I, I love that. I think there are, I think that's a, that's probably a novel idea. That's a great kind of third option that I, I cause I, I think a lot of times we're, we, we're stuck with like, I either have to hire five people or I can hire no one <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. and, and, and don't see the kind of middle ground. Well, maybe there's a way to do that with a firm, you know, like yours to say, Hey, maybe, maybe we could figure out a way to kind of, um, you know, find some middle ground and find, and I love the idea too, of discipline There's a whole other conversation we could get in there. I've seen that in the churches, even I've been in where we, we did have a creative department. We were fortunate enough to have, you know, multiple designers and video people and all that. And, but we actually just switched one of their roles. She's a graphic designer to a project manager and actually doubled our actual output just by organizing the work better, just by having that group, um, you know, get, get a lot more clear on how to communicate 
you know, how to get, how to interface with them, how to, you know, let's build some systems on that makes a huge difference. And I would think, you know, engaging with a firm like yours already, you've already thought through a bunch of that and which is a, a is a great thing. If people want to learn more about Fruitful, they're saying, hey, I'd be engaged. We've got a download that on this page that we we're going to, it's just called Church Design Tricks for Non-Designers. Love that. Uh, so we'll have make that available. But if people want to learn more about Fruitful, um, how can they do that? What's the best way for them to learn more about you guys? www.fruitful.design. You can check out our website. <laughs> Pretty straightforward. Uh, and yeah, if you want to reach out to us, uh, the contact form on the website um, just goes right to Kimmy over here at her mm-hmm. desk in the other room. I mean, it's not like, you know, going to a robot or something. Uh, we're just, uh, yeah, a small team of, of friends and we love, we love uh, just entertaining all kinds of, you know, different people reaching out to us. Um, we'd love to hear, um, hear your project, hear your, uh, you know, problem and see if we can kind of solve it together. And you would work with churches across the country. Like I know you're in Omaha, but, but you don't, you know, this is all, you know, you don't need to be sitting in the next room necessarily <laughs> to engage with most of it. Right. No, we've, we've helped churches, uh, across country with, uh, usually it's the bigger level stuff. Like they're uh, helping them get through a rebrand. Um, I'm more than happy to hop on a plane and, and go lead that workshop for them. And then we can handle a lot of the rest over email. Um, and, and then the day-to-day stuff, it's great to have somebody who's a little bit more local. I, I personally sit in, um, about two or three church related meetings a week. And so I actually do show up in person, uh, to use the strategy part of it. But, um, yeah, for the higher level design project, especially like branding or giving campaigns or, um, you know, event branding for, you know, big things like Christmas and Easter and, and, um, you know, VBS and, um, block parties, those types of things that, that, you know, kind of what you're, you're getting into, um, those, yeah, we love to, to work coast to coast. And like I said, not, a, not afraid to hop in my car or hop on a plane and, and uh, come visit you either. Yeah, that's great. Well, I appreciate you guys being on the show today. Thank you so much for, uh, for taking time. I'd encourage people to reach out and hopefully this has been a thought provoking conversation. And uh, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thanks, Rich. Thanks for having us. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary. <laughs>